It's time for JT the Brick. We kick off the summer at Cliff Branch. Receiver from the University of Colorado, number 21, Cliff Branch. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. Back joint for Branch, a saver in the end zone. Branch, leaping catch, touchdown Raiders! Coach, I can beat my guy deep. I said, Cliff, we haven't even played it down yet. How do you, how do you even know who your guy is? The guy was just a nightmare to cover. He said it verbally, you're not going to cover me. You either have it or you don't have it. Well, Cliff had it. JT the Brick. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. If that guy was playing today, he would blow the top off the record book. Talked about the big bad Raiders. And here we had a hide. We had a parade Cliff Branch out there. He was 155 pounds. He's a Hall of Famer. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, welcome to another week of the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. And on the Raiders mobile app, as we're fueled by PTs, as they get us going every day, 64-plus locations. Here in the Valley, Golden Entertainment also owns the Strat in Arizona, Charlie's. And they back us. They are a proud partner, and they get us started every day. Hunt on out to a PT's near you to cool off, man. Cool off a little bit here. Woke up this morning and did the radio show last night on Sirius XM till 11 o'clock at night and got a little bit of sleep and woke up today. Took the dog for a walk. Uh, my peaceful part of the day, and it looked like some thunder showers, but it never rains. They always tell you it might rain. It never rains anymore. I don't know. I forgot how to rain out here in Las Vegas anymore. Even when you want it to rain, and it's in the forecast, I don't see it yet. So if it does rain, I hope it happens soon. I hope Lake Mead can get a little bit of water in it so people will be allowed to boat the rest of the summer here. And I hope your summer's going well. It's been a great summer. I've been able to get away and get to some cooler temperatures. But we are right around the corner for go time for the Raiders as the Raiders start training camp first with their rookies reporting today. And that's a big day here in the Silver and Black because it's the beginning of the season officially as the rookies report. And it's got to be a long season this year. We want this to be a really long season that goes into January with the possibility for February and Raider fans have a great time, and it's going to be amazing with new players, a new coaching staff, new GM, new president, just a lot of new things happening here as the Raiders look to take the next step, and a lot of it's going to have to be with the rookies here because the Raiders weren't able to get certain levels of players in free agency, so they're going to count on some of the rookies to come in here, compete for starting jobs or playing time or for depth, and that is really important. Earlier today, I was on NFL radio uh, Bruce Gradkowski, remember, for the former quarterback of the Raiders, I was on his show for about 10 minutes, and they wanted me to preview the season. We're going to play that. They were kind enough to give me that interview, so we'll play it a little bit later on on the show, and you can hear what I do as my side job is going on other radio shows, having the back of the silver and black. Love to do it, and today was a fun day on NFL radio. We'll look back at the Open Championship and Cameron Smith, one of the greatest rounds I've ever seen, ever, 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 yesterday on Sunday to beat Rory McIlroy. And NBA Summer League came to an end. And I was out there a few times. My kids were out there if you went to Summer League. Congratulations to Albert Hall and the entire team out there for the job they did again. Entertainment value, Portland wins, they get the trophy. And Vegas had a great time with Summer League. I went to see Journey on Saturday night. A recap of that with Bobby coming up a little bit later on on the show. But let's begin with the goal of this training camp for the rookies as they showed up today. Raiders.com has the photo gallery 
of everybody coming in off the parking lot, which is a tradition unlike any other. It's really the first real day of school for these young players coming into the NFL. Now, they've been here for OTAs. They're working out. I'm assuming a lot of these players left to go home to see their families one more time, their significant others, before they're back here in Henderson for what will be make or break. Not only should most of these rookies make the team, but can they start, can they be second stringers, can they play and contribute right out of the gate? That's the key to the Raiders. They didn't have a pick till the third round when they got Dylan Parham, the offensive lineman out of Memphis. They had to wait. And then the running back in the fourth round, Zamir White, Zeus, and how he's going to be able to play. And their other fourth-round pick, the defensive tackle, Neil Farrell Jr. out of LSU. I interviewed Malcolm Butler at the draft luncheon. He was one of the most impressive Raiders I've ever interviewed. And he's a rookie. He hasn't played a game. I'm looking for him to do his best. Thayer Mumford is an offensive lineman from Ohio State. Only guy that I can recall as an offensive lineman who played in four college football playoffs and won four conference championships. I mean, this is a decorated offensive lineman. And the year before the Raiders took a decorated offensive lineman, when they went out and took Leatherwood, Alex Leatherwood, Outland Trophy winner in the first round. So remember, the Raiders got some recognizable names up front, but players that need to develop. And then uh, Britton Brown, the running back out of UCLA, who's going to have to fight to make the team as a seventh-round pick because the Raiders have a lot of depth, a ton of depth when it comes to the running back position. A lot of running backs are in camp coming up here, and that's going to be a fun position battle, I think, for all of us to look at. That's going to be a really important position battle because you better be able to play special teams and contribute if you want to be a running back on this team. There's not a lot of move, uh, a room for a running back to come in via the back end unless he can do something versatile. So what is the goal today, Raider fans? There's not really not much to say. The rookies showed up, and they start. Here's what I think is really important. Who is going to distinguish them themselves as a starter? Can Parham find a way to start on the offensive line? Competing against Andre James at center, I think Andre James has that job pretty much locked up to a rookie. And be able to play tackle, right tackle, or left tackle, Parham's been able to do that on the offensive line. So he's got to get developed quickly. New offensive line coach, new head coach. This kid's got to get reps. And he's going to get a lot of reps, I would assume, in the preseason. With four preseason games, these guys are going to play. So we're going to be able to see the depth of the offensive line as they start off their careers in the silver and black. And I hope they can stay healthy. And I hope they're in a position that they can contribute. Health is critical to the Raiders' offensive line. As you all know, this is my 24th year with the team. It might be your 40th with the team as a fan. Or it might be your 10th or your 3rd in Vegas as a new fan of this team. The offensive line depth is critical because it's not a great offensive line coming into the season. What I mean by this is it's a serviceable offensive line with Colt Miller, who I believe will be a Pro Bowler starting this year, and then some nice players here, but no players who are dominant and close to being Pro Bowlers. So they got to get better. They got to do their job and get better and prove that they can start or get called in for an injury and play at a very high level. That's going to take the entire training camp in the preseason to watch. The entire preseason and to see what's going to happen. I've been suggesting, and I don't know any of this, but I've been suggesting that Dave Ziegler is going to get another offensive lineman. I think with the $17 million, if I'm right, the money that they have, they can do a lot of things with that. But I think the Raiders 
are going to be able to get a starting offensive lineman in camp. He'll be released from another team. It'll be a player you're familiar with. And I think the Raiders are going to have an opportunity to get that player. Have no idea who the player is. I'm just talking about the type of player they need. A player that you can bring in to start at right tackle or to start at one of the guard positions. If the guard position doesn't develop at a higher level with what they have here and the depth of that position. So with Brandon Parker, Denzel Good, with the players that are there, uh, Andre James, as we mentioned, Illuminor, the players that are up front there, we wish them well. John Simpson, the players that they have, we wish them well. But if another guy becomes available who's a seven-year veteran, get him. And I think that's going to happen. And I've been guessing right over the last couple of years here on this new flagship, and I ho- I'm hope I'm right with this. And if they got to go with this offensive line and Dylan Parham's able to play and he's a role player in his rookie year, that'll be great. But we also need to see the development of Alex Leatherwood. Leatherwood's got to wake up quickly. And the reports that I've heard in and around the building are good things. He's in good shape. He's had a good offseason. He's taking it very seriously. He always has because he came from Nick Saban and that group where those guys are professional football players in college. So Leatherwood, he didn't, he didn't say draft me in the first round. He wasn't raising his hand. The Raiders and the former regime made that pick. And this regime, led by Dave Ziegler, has got to deal with it and got to get him to play at a higher level. And that's everybody's job. It's the job of the players. It's the job of the coaches, the position coaches, to get that offensive line up to speed. I really like what Zeus White can bring to the table at running back out of Georgia as a rookie. He could be he could be a superstar. I mean, he played some big games, really big games at Georgia as they won a national championship, and he moved the pile. He was good at the goal line. He could break tackles. He could wear you out. And Josh Jacobs is that type of runner, too, coming out of Alabama in a, con- a contract season where his rookie contract was not extended. So the depth of running back with White is going to be exciting to see. I mean, this guy should have some explosive runs, really explosive runs in the preseason. And if he blows everybody away, maybe he gets in there and he can spell Josh and Kenyon Drake and the other players at that position. So that's about it with these rookies coming in because the Raiders didn't have a first or second round pick and they started in the third round. A lot of people around the league aren't looking at the rookies and saying, wow, they got a superstar in the first round. Wow, they got a game changer at that position. Raiders don't have any game changers in this draft as of today. One or two could surface out of training camp in the preseason and put their name on the map. Not only by making the team, which, again, I think most of these guys are going to make the team. But the question is, can they contribute? So when I, we're talking about the opening of rookie training camp today. In one of the slowest days and weeks in the history of sports radio right now. And it's going to be pretty busy for us because the Raiders are in camp. But you know what I'm talking about here. What is the number one thing you want to see from this rookie class? One thing about one player, the group in general. And and to make it more specific for you, how much do you want to see them in the preseason? Can't have it both ways, everybody. You can't say that Devontae Adams, Derek Carr... Darren Waller aren't going to play a down in four preseason games. They might not play. I have no idea what Josh McDaniels is going to do. He's going to let these guys play a little bit in the preseason or they're going to get shut down completely. These guys got to play. These rookies are football players. They have to play. And the free agents that are coming in have got to prove that they can play. The rest of the guys, you can sit them down. But a guy like Trayvon Mullins got to prove that he can play. 
Jonathan Abram doesn't deserve any time off in the preseason because he needs to develop his game as a pass, as a defender against the pass, because he's been weak at that. He's good as a box safety. He can tackle. We all know John Abram. He's a heat-seeking missile. But he deserves some reps in the preseason to see how he can pick up play action and what he can do on the back end. Same for Merrick, a really good center fielder. I don't have to see a lot of Trayvon Merrick in the preseason. We can keep him healthy. We know what he is. He's a center fielder who plays deep and can come up and maybe make a play or two in a game. Rock Yassin, that's really important to me. Came over in the trade with Yannick Ngakwe. How much do you want to see of him? Brand new system with Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator. I think he's got to play in the preseason. We have to see where he lines up, where they move him around. He's an important piece to this team. And Nate Hobbs, and you'll hear that later on my interview with NFL Radio today. Nate Hobbs, to me, could really be the X factor. Hopefully saw a level of maturity in the offseason for some of his transgressions last year. And he comes in and he can compete to be a starting corner with Trayvon Mullen. He can compete to be an elite player. I thought that was a great value pick by the Raiders to get him in the fifth round. Now let's see what he can do. Because we know he's going to play nickel. He's going to play slot. But what about him if he has to line up and be a shutdown corner? He should be able to do it. He's got all the athletic ability to do that. Uh, as we move on to the rest of the defense here in the monologue, 702-365-9200 if you want to get in and welcome the rookies as the rookies are learning about the app and the radio station and are going to come on with us. Uh, if you have something, a message to the rookies, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, the defensive tackle position is going to be really interesting to me with what they do in the middle of this defense with Big John Hankins, Neil Farrell Jr., what they're going to be able to do in the middle. Vernon Butler, the players that are up front who can make plays and do certain things. Going to have to be really important for these guys to take the next step. You know, Bilal Nichols, how big of an impact is he going to have? Because we know Max Crosby and Chandler Jones are exceptional. We should have two defensive ends going to the Pro Bowl this year. And the rest of the defense is the linebacker position. And the linebackers are coming back with a pro bowler who I think can play at a very high level. So they have a pro bowler in Denzel Perryman. But the rest of the linebackers from, you know, Jayon Brown to Divine Diablo to what we're going to see as they move around a hybrid and Malcolm Kuntz from linebacker position, which he's natural. And the depth of that position, very important to me. Raiders got to tackle. Someone other than Perryman has to prove they can tackle in space. And someone's going to have to guard a tight end. And who's going to surface as that player there? So rookie training camp, excited about all of it, and it should be, should be fun. Ian Rappaport reporting that the Deshaun Watson decision could come later this week as the independent Judge Thomas got the recent briefs back, and she's looking over them, and it's probably going to take till Wednesday or Thursday of this week for a decision. That's a huge pending story in the NFL. The NFL is waiting to see what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson when that comes, it's going to be an absolute firestorm of information. Firestorm of information, and it's going to knock the Raiders and every other team off the NFL landscape for about two or three days. We're all aware of that, right? As soon as this Deshaun Watson situation comes down, I don't care if you do a national show, a local show, a satellite radio show, that will be the background noise for days. Especially, for whatever reason, if he gets a slap on the wrist or he gets more than a year, I've always said it's going to be a year for him. So that's a big deal that should come down. And if I'm Roger Goodell, 
If I'm Roger Goodell, I want that to come down quickly here. I'd like to see that happen by Wednesday or Thursday because then everybody will talk about it over the weekend. Veterans will report for around the NFL. Maybe it's big over the weekend and on next Monday or Tuesday, and then we can get on with football from that perspective. So that's what I'm talking about in the monologue. Uh, Let's hear from you today as we get going. 702-365-9200. And how excited are you, Raider Nation, for the rookies reporting today? It feels like the first day of school. Back to school today as the rookies who spent most of the offseason here to begin with are just reporting for the first full time to be professional football players. Their number one goal is to make the team. Their number two goal is to be healthy and make the team. And their number three goal is to be on the practice squad. Right? If you're an undrafted rookie or a player, to get on the practice squad and be a part of this team and prove that you can help the organization win a championship going forward. I like what the team has done in the offseason. Normally, everybody does. The offseason, you get better. The job in the offseason is to get better. You lose players. Like, did Green Bay get better losing Devontae Adams? No. Did Kansas City get better losing Tyreek Hill? No. Did the Chargers get better bringing in Jackson at corner and Khalil Mack on the edge? Yeah, Chargers got better. So the Raiders got better. And as I said today to Bruce Gradkowski and Bill Leckis, the media doesn't pick up on that. The media really has no interest in that. They don't look at the Raiders in depth. They don't know the Raiders' depth chart. They always go with the low-hanging fruit of the Raiders. Is Derek Carr a lead or not? Does this team have this player or that player? And it's our job to talk about the players that made this team better and how the team is going to win more than 10 games from last year. Now, on the 10-game front, before the show, I called the sports book director here in town, about the Raiders at eight and a half, and said, why hasn't this moved? It says the market hasn't moved yet. There's still a lot of people who believe the Raiders won too many close games last year that they just can't possibly do back-to-back. There's a level in gambling of luck and trends, and the Raiders you know, hit blackjack, as the way Brent Musburger said last year, a lot. They won overtime games, games on last possessions, and gamblers think that that's going to balance out. You know, Instead of having four or five wins like that, you'll have two and maybe lose two games on a last-second field goal by the other team. I think the Raiders are a really good value at the season win total, go over the total. But how, do you, how many games do you have to win in the AFC West to advance and make the playoffs? Do you have to go 3-3? Three and three? Can you go 4-2? and two? Kansas City wanted to go 6-0, and 5-1 oh, and one these last couple of years, and I don't think Kansas City's as good as they've been. So for the Raiders, even the sharpest Raider fans – who are realistic, the ones I talk to think split with Kansas City, split with the Chargers, and you're probably going to split because Russell Wilson went to Denver and it's not going to be playing Drew Locke where you feel like you're going to get two wins. I I think the Raiders can beat Denver twice. I think they have better personnel. Everybody says Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. They gave up a few players to get Russell Wilson. But he is a hell of a player. He's a great player. The four of the quarterbacks in the AFC West, I think all four are in the top ten. I have Derek as number 10, right around that 9 or 10. But he's behind Herbert in every poll. He's behind Russell Wilson, obviously, in every poll, and Patrick Mahomes. It's nothing for Raider fans to be down about. Now, if Derek wasn't a top 10 quarterback and he was top 20, and the quarterbacks I mentioned in the West were all in the top 3 or top 5 or top 8, that'd be a problem. But Derek is right there ready to roll. So this is preseason training camp 
first day, we are the flagship. So we have people listening all over the country monitoring the Raiders today because they opened camp first. Let's get the radio station and the shows up to speed and sound like an NFL flagship, which is why I think I've helped bring to this channel once we launched it. Have it every day when we're on. It's still summer radio. Cliff to Canton. But let's get some Raider fans in here worked up about these rookies as training camp opened today, not next week. Now, in regards to the summer of Cliff, really excited about that. Mike Haynes will join us. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, the gentleman Raider, one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time. And the reason why Mike was that great was his athletic ability to find the ball. The NFL did their top 100 players of all time, and when they got to Mike Haynes, Bill Belichick was on the set at NFL Network, and he gushed over the way Mike Haynes was able to find the football. So tall and lengthy, and the ability when the ball was in the air to go get it, something that the Raiders have been lacking and trying to find, not the next Mike Haynes, but a player that can find the football and turn his head around. Mike is arguably the best, and he played opposite of Lester Hayes, the judge. So when you look at the ability for Mike Haynes, uh, Mike is a gentleman. We're going to talk to him mostly about Cliff because it's the summer of Cliff Branch and we're counting down to Canton in two weeks. And that's really important for us here to keep the Cliff momentum going. So already this week, I have Mike Haynes and the great Eric Allen scheduled to join us as we get closer to the following week. Jim Plunkett, Fred Bolitnikoff, some of his uh, great teammates too. They're all great teammates, but we're telling Cliff stories all summer long and Hopefully that's your job too. Anytime during your call, end of your call, you want to mention Cliff. And if you're going, let us know where you're going. You know, there's going to be some formal parties and some stuff happening around there that not everybody's going to be able to go to. But I want to know what bars everybody's going to. I want to get invited to some of these Raider Nation. Hey, man, let's get a 12-pack of Modelo's and sit outside and, and, and tell Cliff stories. I'm, I'm, it's go time for me. Cliff was a, a friend. Cliff's going in with the largest turnout, I believe, by former players in Raider history, NFL history, and every Raider fan who's going to Canton, you got to black out the place. Get a black shirt, a Raiders black shirt, a collared polo, whatever it is. Might be a little bit hot during enshrinement, but it's got to be a sea of black as Cliff Branch is going to be such a big topic in Canton. I think the NFL Network and everybody who's there is going to be like, what the hell is this? He's not here. He's not alive. How did this many people show up for this guy? And it's going to be Mark Davis put something together that's bold and grand in his vision for his best friend. And uh, everybody who's going and invited is going to have a blast. Start off with Gangster Raider on a Monday as we open up the show. Appreciate you calling in. What do you got? Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm excited about the season. I'm excited about the rookies report, and I'm excited about the Hall of Fame. I got my ticket. I'm ready. You know, say so I just got my accommodations squared away. But I got a question about the events. Do you buy tickets for the events before, or how does that work? You know what I'm saying? And also, another thing is, as far as the offensive line depth, I got a perfect idea. Just like how we brought in Richie Incognito, let's mm-hmm. go back and get Colegio Simile, who's a free agent right now, and we could bring him in to toughen up Leatherwood. And also, if mm-hmm. we need him to, he can go and play guard. You know what I'm saying? I think that'll be a good addition to the line of the app depth, leadership, and it'll toughen up Leatherwood and the whole entire line completely. What you think about that? And also, as mm-hmm. uh, far as um, rookies I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to that. I forget his name, but he's the DB, the first DB that we um, drafted. I'm looking for him to step up. And that's not just um, learn how to 
professional and provide depth to the um, DB room. You know what I'm saying? But as far as the uh, Hall of Fame game, I, I can't wait to go. And I know it's on a Thursday night. Well, should I stay till Sunday or Saturday? You know what I'm saying? That's all well, I need to know. Yeah, yeah. You want to stay till Sunday. And thanks for the call, Gangster Raid. I hope to see you out there. I'm sure we will. Uh, Saturday. You can get your tickets to the enshrinement by going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm sure the Raiders have links at Raiders.com uh, for that event there. There's some private events with the Branch family and former players that aren't open to the public, and there's a lot of events that are open to the public. The Gold Jacket Ceremony events where you could buy tickets. Uh, go to the parade. I think the parade is a great tradition. Mark Davis is in the open-air car for the parade, and there'll be plenty of events, concerts going on out there. And uh, I'm just trying to figure out the Raider bar because every year that I go there, there's Raider bars and opportunities. The Raider Booster Clubs do a great job. They might have a signing where last year Coach Flores showed up to a signing and there was a couple hundred Raider fans. When we get more and more of that information, you'll find out about it here. Also, Paul Gutierrez put out a fantastic, fantastic column. So bittersweet. As they talk to the Bolitnikoff, Plunkett, Mike Haynes, Lester Hayes, Ronnie Lott, all on Cliff Branch. And that is up there if you follow Paul Gutierrez, ESPN, to see all of that. Paul will be back with us as one of our weekly contributors. The monologue brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. The restaurants are outstanding. The pool's amazing. There's live entertainment in the theater, 24 Oxford. Come on out and see what you've been missing if you're a local, tremendous local deals at Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. The Gentleman Raider, Mike Haynes, one of the all-time greats, as we continue with the Summer of Cliff Branch. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Plunkett goes deep for he's Chandler. Open. No, it's Whittington. Branch. Or Branch, and he's going to go oh. all the way for a touchdown. A most unusual pattern. They had Chandler running deep as they did the first half, and Branch was a trailer, and they threw short to Branch. And then he used Chandler's shielding block for an 86-yard touchdown. You know, I love these cliff sound bites that we're getting to get all the great broadcasters on top of Bill King, the Monday Night Football guys that are checking in. You hear all these different legendary voices over the years. It's fantastic. Summer of Cliff continues as we're brought to you by M Resort Spa and Casino. M's got Everything going on from you, from outside to the pool, to the restaurants, to the Raiders Bar and Grill. If you haven't been there in a while, they're always upgrading that. And they got the Remy Martin room and everything set up up front with Bedello. So a lot of our partners are involved with the M Resort Spawn Casino. Head on out there and cool off. Get in the pool, order your cervezas, and get in the water. God, I got off the radio at 11 last night. My wife and I got in the pool. We sat outside till. Midnight, 12.30, just trying to cool down here, man. It is it is something. And I've had a couple of uh, quick trips, golf trips to San Diego, and I know I'm going to see Mike Haynes a lot from Canton, Ohio, throughout the year. The Gentleman Raider, the Hall of Fame, are kind enough to join us. Mike, how's the summer treating you? Thanks for coming on. So far, great. 
good. Your son, you got uh, young football players, you got a great family. What's it been like? You've been golfing, you've been traveling. How busy you been? Well, I've been busy, but, you know, COVID has made everything a little bit different and yeah. um, a little bit more difficult. But, um, you know, still my son um, gonna, just got into college. He's going to school and he's uh, trying to make the football team there. Um, um, and my other son graduated from college. You know, he's now, you know, everything's going on great in the, with the family. Um, Excellent. You know, it sounds like the Raiders are, are, uh, are going to be having a great season this year as well. Absolutely, Mike, and we'll get into that, and we'll talk to you throughout the year, but we wanted to spend most of the time with you today to talk about Cliff, because we came up with the summer of Cliff as Cliff is getting inducted, and I know you got a lot of stories, and I want to know what it was like when you first got to the Raiders from New England after one of the most legendary trades ever pulled off by Al Davis in NFL history, and your earliest recollections getting to know Cliff and competing against him in practice. Well, um, I think the first time I actually met Cliff was probably at a Pro Bowl, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, when I joined the team, you know, it was, a, you know, a concern for me because, uh, you know, they had Cliff, they had another receiver named Malcolm Barnwell, another one named Calvin Muhammad. And the one thing that all these guys could do that they all had in common was speed. And none of them were as fast as Cliff, but, you know, that's what they had in common. And and because I had played Cliff when as a as a rookie my first time on the Patriots, and I got a chance to see him on film and see his speed firsthand. When I joined the team, I'm thinking, man, this is going to be tough in practice <laughs> covering him every day. Uh, and then the very first practice, when he came out of the huddle, he told me what he was going to do. So, so um, it wasn't the offense trying to beat the defense. Matter of fact, generally the offense would go against the backup guys and, um, you know, instead of the first string guys. Um, but because I was new and I was still getting in shape and I still wasn't activated to play, I was practicing with the, with those guys and they were all great guys. But when Cliff came out of the huddle, he would actually tell me what he's going to do. He'd, he'd, so I'm thinking, okay, I got to be ready to run. And he'd come out of the huddle and he'd say, I got a slant. And I, and I don't say anything. I just wait to see if he runs a slant, and he runs a slant. <laughs> and then he comes out of the hollow again, and he says, I got an out. And so I know his out is like at 18 yards, so I'm, I'm, I'm expecting him to do something. He runs the out. I'm going, oh, hey, this is pretty good. He's, you know, and, I, and I said, Cliff, why are you telling me? He says, man, this is practice. This is practice. And I go, okay. And so I realized he probably wasn't running full speed when he was running those routes. And he didn't want me to make him run full speed because I'm breaking him up. And so that made his practice easier. But believe it or not, it made practice better for me because I was going against him. He had a lot of quick moves that he used to like to make, and I had to adjust. And so this allowed me, now I know what he's going to do, this allowed me to, to practice better and have better practices and work on my footwork and all that kind of stuff. Now, I could never break up one of those routes because it wasn't, wasn't fair. You know, if he tells me he's going to run in and he runs an in and then I go in there and intercept it, come on, that, that's not yeah. right. You know, so so we um, we turned turned out to be great for me to have him on my team and um, it helped my technique and my ability and, and it helped raise my confidence because I uh, all I had to really worry about was running with Cliff. And, uh, of course, I know there's no way I can run with Cliff, you know. 
<laughs> he was he was lightning fast. He really was. And a lot of times you'd see film where he's running right next to the DB. Well, as soon as that ball is in the air, you see him pull away. And that's that's his uh, that would, for me that was his that was the thing that really made him special. And there was very few guys in the league uh, on any team that could run like Cliff. Hall of Famer Mike Haynes is our guest. You know, Mike, before you came on, I was mentioning when Bill Belichick broke you down on the best 100 players of all time, he raved about how you found the football. And Collinsworth was talking about, and Ed Reed, like, the ball's in the air, and you're, you have your back to the ball, and then boom, you're turning on it, you're making these one-handed grabs, and you're, you're finding the ball quickly. And I'm assuming you and Lester going up against Cliff and those great receivers – that had to help you because back in the day when you played, you practiced more than the players today. And nothing against the players today. It's a new era. They're in shells or they're doing walkthroughs. But did that help you find the ball, all those plays from your early in your career to late in the career, all those great practices where you had to go full speed and find the football? Well, it, it, it really started with me in college because, you know, I was a wide receiver. And so um, as a wide receiver, I – I had learned to expect the ball at a certain place and a certain alignment coming out of the air or you know angle and things like that. So that kind of helped me. And when I studied film, I would watch to see exactly where the quarterback was trying to throw it and where the receiver was trying to you know get open. I was also trying to imagine what it looked like for the quarterback when he drops back and he looks over and he sees the linebacker you know in, either inside or outside. And he's going to have to throw the ball based on where he sees that linebacker, uh, not based on me, unless the linebacker is rushing and there's only me over there. And so, um, so I got I got used to doing that. Uh, and also, I used to really like working with the safety because if I looked early, um, the quarter, the receiver could pull away from me. I wouldn't even know. Um, but mm-hmm. if I looked at the last minute, then I could you know look and expect the ball to be coming at a certain place. Uh, and I and I would work really closely with the free safety, and I would say, "Hey, man, you know, don't say ball when the quarterback hasn't even thrown the ball yet. Wait till the ball's in the air." Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I'd work with the safety to try to help me to time when I did look, because if I looked early, that's bad. If I looked late, that's bad. So I need to work with him on getting me that ball call to help me make the good decision on when to turn around and look for it. Mike Haynes is our guest. So, Mike, as we wrap this up, going back to the Hall of Fame, uh, your memories, you go back a lot, and you're available there, and you love it. What, what, is, what changed your life as a Hall of Famer? Because you do signings all over the country, but Canton's different. And from dinner to meeting up with a, a legend in a hallway or in a lobby of a hotel, when you get ready, and this time you got Cliff, your former teammate, and, and that's going to be a big event what keeps bringing you back to Canton, Ohio, when you try to go back and get the most out of that experience for you and your family? Well, it, I, I can't say that I've always been looking forward to going back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it started for me really when I got the job working at the NFL. And, uh, and I got a chance to talk to the commissioner and talk to owners and, and different things. And, uh, and knowing how the players felt about the Hall of Fame, and everything. And so um, I remember when uh, Commissioner Taglibu had a meeting and, and we were talking about the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I said, I raised my hand. And I said, I said, I don't know how to say this. And I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way. I said, but, you know, being inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame should be the greatest accomplishment a guy can have. 
and, and, and I know it is. I said, I don't, know, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. But beyond that, it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. Nothing happens because of that. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed because of that. Now the only thing that happens is you said Mike Haynes, Hall of Famer. That's it. You know, there was no extra opportunities. There were no extra income coming. There was nothing special happening. And I have to say, JT, that that is no longer the way it is. Mm-hmm. Thank God. It changed completely where, you know, the Hall of Fame started doing different things around the country and working with different sponsors to get uh, programs implemented. And, uh, and, and the guys were starting to get used as um, uh, ambassadors right. uh, and, and for, the, for, for the sport, for the team that they're playing on or played for. Uh, you know, and things like that. So it is a it it is turned into exactly the thing that I wish it had been all along. Because there's a lot of guys who were inducted into the Hall of Fame, and back in the old days, you had to pay your own way back. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the guys did not have uh, the kind of income that they have today, and so they were not able to afford to go back. But today, the Hall of Fame insures it; they pay for it. Um, in the day you can bring your wife and it's a, it's a great mm. event. And uh, the fans who really love football and their team is getting a guy inducted. They show they're showing up and there's a lot of the former players who are on that team. Also, uh, they're showing up. Everybody's there. And it's, it turns out to be one of the greatest, um, you know, um, party times um, that, you know, a, a fan could ever want because all of the great players, that they watched will be there for that induction as well. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for clear, uh, sharing some Cliff stories. It means a lot. That's what we're trying to do here, make it extra special for Cliff because you know he's looking down, he's listening, and it's going to be one hell of a party, and you're going to be a big part of it. And I'll see you not only in Canton, but we'll see you for Alumni Weekend at the end of August here too. All right. Sounds good, JT. Take care, Mike. Mike Haynes, what an honor to talk to him, everybody. What an absolute honor to get to know Mike and talk to him and we spent a year, two years ago on NFL radio doing a Raiders show every week, once a week. We did that, so 16 weeks. I was able to host a show with Mike as my co-host, and we, we had a chance to talk to legends, legends and former players. And he makes a good point about the Hall of Fame back in the day. You know, guys couldn't afford it. If a plane tickets, round trip, you gotta, they, they didn't pay for you to come back if you were a Hall of Famer. Multi, multi-billion dollar league. And as Mike said, he was part of the group that wanted to try to change that. So we had a caller early uh, against the Raiders said, what are you doing? You're there. The hall of famers do a signing. And I think it's one price for the ticket. It might be 50 bucks or whatever it is. You just get in line and the hall of famers come and you, you see the program and they say from 12 to one, it'll be Fred Bolitnikoff, Mike Haynes, this guy, this guy. And, and you're, you get in line and you go and you get to the front and you, they sign your helmet, your Jersey, and they take a picture with you. It's great. And then there's a beer garden there, and you can have a couple beverages and sit down and go into the Hall of Fame and have that experience, which is always great. When you, when you go into the Hall of Fame, you do it at your own pace. You have a good time and do that. And then the restaurants in and around Canton are pretty cool. And it just you make friends. You, you bump into people. Crusader Raiders coming in from London, good friend of ours over the years. He'll be signing and doing stuff. And you'll have the Raiders and the Indi- Gorilla Rilla and Violator, who's now in the Hall of Fame. So it's a lot of fun. So try to make it and, and try to make it about Cliff, and we're going to have a great time. Really appreciate Mike Haynes. Man, I'm lucky. I pinch myself 
when I get an opportunity to talk to individuals like that who have so much to say and their stories never get old, never get old. So if Mike Haynes can call in, you can call in. 702-365-9200. We want your, your voice to be heard as the rookies, the rookies show up today. Mitch in Jersey, let me get you up here, Mitch, before the break. How are you? Hello, JT. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Well, first, I, I can only think of two wide receivers that were faster than Cliff Branch. Uh, Hill and uh, Bob Hayes. Mm-hmm. Cowboys. I mean, it's kind of fair. He was an Olympic sprinter. He was a two-sport star. Right. Um, looking forward to uh, a defense line. Um, I'm kind of mad that I didn't sign Dominic Sue. Mm-hmm. That would have been awesome. And he, Roger Craig played with the Raiders too at the end of his career, right? I yep. wonder if he'll be in the Hall of Fame. What's yeah. the, uh, the, if something against the Raiders keeping them waiting so long, the whole thing? If you, yeah. if you have to think about it, they're not a Hall of Fame. Come on. Yeah, and I agree with you on that. And that's why Lester Hayes is so important. Greg Townsend, Steve Wisniewski, Eric Allen. Thanks for the call. Uh, thanks for the call. Eric Allen. You know, the, the players that aren't in who are on the verge, they're semifinalists, their names have been big. You can get into the politics of all of it. I'm pretty much done with it. We, we sat here for my whole career banging the drum on the guys who weren't in. And I thought Mark Davis had a good plan on how to help get Cliff in. It was a really good plan that I played a tiny role in by banquets and hosting and emceeing events. I'd look around and the Raiders would have a video team there and they would peel off Mike Ditka and they'd peel off Mel Blunt and they would peel off these players who were there and they'd have them go to a room and mic them up and talk about Cliff. And then the heat came on Cliff, you know, trying to push that. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, who I mentioned, the beat writers, people around there, there was a push. And then when they had that makeup class, for the seniors, and Cliff didn't get in there. A lot of people thought it was over. But then Marcus Allen, Fred Bolitnikoff, Tim Brown, all went back for Tom Flores' event, Howie Long, and put heat, heat down on Cliff. There were people there that I've heard off the record were not going to come back. Not going to come back if Cliff didn't get his respect, and he's in. So the timeline is a bit bizarre to me, and was there politics or reasons why, of course, but you know, that's not my pay grade. I don't know why Cliff isn't in. I don't know why Snake wasn't in when he was alive. I don't know why Coach Flores had to wait till he was 83 in a wheelchair. I don't know. But to see the look on Tom Flores' face when he was at his party last year and Art Shell and Marcus Allen and all these legends are talking about him, that was special. And Tom Flores handled that beautifully. And I think Cliff's family will do the same thing. All right, when we come back, Uh, We'll get into the Open Championship. I want to touch on that. Baseball All-Star Game and Home Run Derby. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Wherever you go throughout the Valley, casinos, local establishments, look up behind the bar. Remy Martin is there looking back out at you. Remy Martin, team up for excellence, proud partner of our show. You can control your speed by just concentrating real hard on running your routes because the defensive back are going to fear you because of your great speed. But I think the reason I was able to control my speed is because I learned to run precision routes. Summer Eclipse Ranch continues. JT brought to you by Resorts World. So turn it up. I once saw Journey Saturday night. Had a blast. 
had an absolute blast in their concert theater, which is five-star. It just sounded great. You know, a lot of people say, what do you do? I go to Resorts World, went to 8 Lounge, a cigar post-game, walking around, just vibrant with the concert there. So Journey was great. I posted some video at JT The Brick on Facebook. I'm amazed. People say, well, Arnell, who took over for Steve Perry. So Steve Perry can't sing anymore at a level. He can't do anything that Arnell, who replaced him, can do. Not even close. Steve Perry used to. He's a great singer. One of the greatest. Bobby, you jump on this. One of the great rock singers of all time. He can't sing anymore two hours, two and a half hours. So he can't do the job, even though it's their 50th year anniversary. He might come back and do something. So Arnell takes over and does a great job. For those who think it's Journey Karaoke, it's not. The guy's got energy. He sings all the favorites, the new ones there. But, Bobby, people look back and they, they, want, they want to live in the past. Well, he's not Steve Perry. No one's Steve Perry. But, Bobby, Steve Perry can't sing at that level anymore, kind of like Vince Neil can't sing the way he used to sing for Motley Crue. That's exactly what I was about to say. You know, you got to give the guy credit for having the smarts to step away when he knew he was just going to damage the band rather than going on for his own ego. Absolutely. So for those who say, man, JT, man, it wasn't Steve Perry. Steve Perry doesn't exist. He's still with us. He can't do that. So it's just like the who doesn't have John Entwistle anymore. You know, the, the Stones don't have Charlie Watts. Every once in a while, someone takes the place of a, of, a, of a musician. And I just thought Arnell does a great job. He has fun. It was fun. Love to go see Journey. And they do a lot of work here in Vegas. So that was fun. As I've been driving around, I was lucky to host uh, Fortunate to host six of Jim Rome's shows as he was on vacation. So I've been driving back and forth to L.A. I flew a little bit, but I've been driving that road, and I brought my wife with us uh, with me last week and my son uh, the week before. So I've been able to drive through the Cajon Pass and drive into Newport Beach, Southern California, and then drive back to Vegas through Baker. So we were coming back Saturday. Uh, I was going to the Journey concert, so we left San Diego around 9.30 in the morning. And we're driving, and the drive's going great. No one in front of us the whole way, and we needed gas. And you, you, I didn't have a full tank, and I could have probably made it, but I stopped off in Baker, the world's largest thermometer, right? So we pull over, and we go to the gas station, and I actually park underneath the awning of the gas station, and I look at the car, and it's 116 outside. And I look at the thermometer, and it was 116 on the world's largest thermometer. So my wife... Went in for a second to get some water, and I sat there, and I checked in some emails and some texts, and it was probably the hottest experience of my life. I think the highest I've ever gone in my life is 116. I've never been to Death Valley. I haven't gone and chased the 120s and all that nonsense. But I can tell you Saturday around noon, 1 o'clock, at the world's largest thermometer where people pull over to get alien beef jerky. There's a little line to get beef jerky out there in Baker. I looked up and I said, holy crap, it's 116. And I think I think we had a 116 or 117 last year. I got to all, ask all the newsmen. We had a 117 last year. I don't know if I was in town or not with that. But, man, I experienced all a 116 in Baker, man. And it was like a hairdryer just pumping the heat at you. Be safe. Keep an eye on your pets, too. Got a lot of friends who are involved in that world to remind us. Keep the pets inside. Walk them early. Walk them late. Don't accidentally lock them out. Take care of them. Plenty of water. 
and keep an eye on them. That hour flew by. Hour two on deck as we continue. Brought to you by Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas.